Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God Let me just pray for us before we jump in. If you'll pray with me. God, thank you for being real. Thank you for not putting us on earth and just abandoning us, but you're ever present in our time of need. God, thank you for a week after we, get to, we just celebrated your resurrection, we get to celebrate you still. God, you're, you didn't rise from the dead to leave us, but God, to enter in through your Holy Spirit into our hearts. And so as a church, God, we just come to you just hopeful, excited about that we actually have purpose. There's just so many people on the earth that have no purpose, and we get to come together today with people with purpose. God, let us hear from you. Let us know that you're with us. And God, today, I just want there to be rest. For your people. I want us to take steps forward in each day where we really just delight in you, and that's our anthem. It's not trying to accomplish and do a bunch of stuff, but God, we just get to be with you, because that's who you've created us to be. And so God, today, would you just put all of the distractions aside, all of the, um, even if there's, there's things on your mind about, that you're anxious about, let's put them to the side right now. And ask for that peace that transcends understanding to flood our minds, our hearts. And God, that this would be a, a day, God, of Sabbath rest where we know that you are good and we take steps forward in that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I feel like we need to, I think we need to do a Sarah breath. Let's go. So, um, man, I, I feel like I, need, I have like a pre-sermon before my sermon, so you should, we're going to go with it. Um, Bill told me I have 16 hours on the lavalier, so I'm going to use them. 
so just be ready. Um, the thing that I feel like God's been really speaking to me lately is that, like, just the importance of this book, and just to, like, specifically, like, if we really believe, like, we're, we're a week after celebrating the resurrection of a human that, so just let that settle in. He, he did something that is impossible to do. So if we really believe that there's a God who's transcendent and that when there was nothing happening, there was, the whole earth was formless and void and chaotic, there was nothing, and that he actually spoke something into existence, and you actually have the ability to understand that, first off, which is phenomenal, when you've been created in the image of that God, but that should blow our minds, and that should make us look at this book and be like, hold on a second, this isn't just like a textbook. This isn't like earth science. This is real. This means that if, God is crea- if I'm created in the image of God and God's a personal God, then I, this book is written personally for me. And so I, one of the problems we have is we read this book and we try to remove ourselves from it when the whole book is actually about you. Like, this is written for, with you in mind. And so we're going to read a lot of scripture today. And I just hope that the pages just like leak onto your heart and that your heart would be so full that you would be able to just be wrung out during your week. That's the thing. That's what I've been praying. It would ring out in your home, ring out at your, at your work, that you would find pleasure in who God is and who he is to you specifically. So we're going to read these things today. Understand that this is, that you're actually, you're the one he's writing to. He's not, he's not like, oh, yeah, you're a part of it. No, you're literally the person in this story. And if you, if you look at it and remove yourself, then it will never change you. But if you look at it and let it change you, then that's, that's what God intended for it. So that's just kind of, I don't know, that's my, my pre-message. So what I feel like today I just want everyone to close your eyes. I want to read a few verses over you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden. I will give you rest. Just open your eyes. There is an opportunity. God, we're we're in this creating space deal, right? So we're going through disciplines, how we're going to create space. Today I'm going to talk to you and tell you about how God has already created the space for you. You don't have to, you don't have to like, Carve out this like special time. Your entire life has been created for God. There is no, you, you were made to be enjoyed by him and to enjoy him. And that's it. You're not made to work. You're not made to preach. You're not made to, to heal. You're made to just enjoy God and be enjoyed. And we're, in, and we're, we're, we're doing these things. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. We're going only because of what happened in Genesis 3, when the fall of man happened. And so something has severed us from God. And so we're forced to do things that really the intention of God is for you to just be. 
and not do. And actually, as redeemed people, that is your life. Not to work, but to just be. That should give us so much excitement. Show of hands, how many of you honestly feel like right now you're just saying, I'm, I'm pretty tired? It's pretty remarkable. I, I was preparing this message on Sabbath rest, and last night I was looking at my clock at 2 a.m. and thinking, i got to get up in five hours. I have, why? <laughs> and so today I woke up, I did all this stuff here, finally sat down about an hour ago and was like, wow, I'm so weary. I'm so heavy laden. I'm so tired. And so I'm preaching this message today, and a, a lot of it's like really real to me because I want to sleep right now, to be honest with you. But God, God wants to give me rest in this. And in, in my rest, it's not like, oh, I just rest and nothing gets done. I rest and something is going to get done here. I know that. And so I'm going to rest in this moment while I preach to you and know that God's going to impact your life. And that's what I call all of you to do, to rest and know that God works more when you rest than when you do. Does that make sense? Okay. So I really want to speak. This is still pre-sermon. So just, this is a page that I made, like, and this is not even the beginning. Just go. Okay, so... Three, three kind of groups of people I feel like God really wants to speak today. One would be like some struggling families. I feel like today is a message where if you would truly embrace this message today, then this could save, this would literally save your marriage. This is a message that could save your family. It could make your wife or your husband really start to enjoy being at home rather than feeling refuge when they're working. It's a message for struggling families, people that feel overworked and you long for some margin in your life, but you feel like there's no space, like you're working like 50 plus hours and there's just, you feel like that's, that's all you really have and you want something more. And then the last group would be you're lonely and you feel like all you actually have is work. And so you're really just kind of in a place where like you really, you're just really in need, but you maybe don't really care if that's the case. So maybe you fall into kind of one of those groups as, as, as I'm speaking. Um, so for me, I am about a year ago, I started working here. Before, I worked five years in a, in a business. So I was, it was very production-based. So I went to work, and it was about how much can I get done in the least amount of time. And that's how most of our jobs are, Right? I go, and i got to get the stuff done. And there's expectations for me, and if I don't get those expectations done, I get talked to, right? So that's, and some of you are leading that type of work, right? And so I, I stepped into ministry here, and it's absolutely the opposite. So God completely forced me, because when you're in ministry, it's all about relationships. So sitting in a meeting, I, what I used to do is I'd be like, okay, these are the things I need to get out of you. Like, these are the things I need you to do and the things that I need to do, and let's accomplish those things, and then we can, like, just talk after that. But, like, we have to do the things because I need to get the stuff done. And actually, ministry and relationship doesn't work like that. Relationship is slow. It's a process. You have to sit and listen before you can speak. And so I stepped into a place where God forced me to slow down. And I've been in a year where I'm like, okay, I've feel like I need to be, I feel the pressure of like all the stuff that needs to be done. 
But I'm forced to stop and say, God, I can't even actually do that. And the only way that I can do the things that you're calling me to do is to slow down. And, it's, and for um, specific, I remember one instance, I just started working here. It was in probably June of last year. And I worked all day here. I went home. I'm sitting across from Katie at the dinner table. And I got an email on my phone. So I just picked it up and started <laughs> hitting the email. And you guys know what look I got, right? <laughs> it was loving, loving look. But I, I was like, oh, my. I was like, what's, what's wrong? She's like, um, hello? <laughs> We're at the dinner table. You're working, and you just, you worked all day. It's like, oh, yeah. But it's so natural for us. How many of you are like totally get that? You're like, yeah. I do that all the time. We get notifications to our phone, and so work literally never stops. There was, um, I, I read a study, and I had a hard time finding it so I could share it with you, but in the 90s, there was a study done, and it was the impact of technology on our work and what it would do for us. And there was this, um, there was this hope that technology would actually, would actually compact our work week down to about 23 hours. And so we would get to work, I'm sorry, we get to work a little less, and <laughs> it's so funny, right? We think about it now, we're like, yeah, that... So you actually work like 60, 70 hours now, and, and it just never shuts off. We're expected to pick up the phone at, at 10 p.m. at night, you know, like that's, and that's the expectations of managers, and some of you are managers, and that's the expectation that you have on people, but the space that God has created you to live is not that. That's not, and so I want to just give hope today. Um, I think it's really funny, like when you have one of, a common question, like if I walk up to you and say, hey, how are you? There's like an expectation that you're going to say, I'm busy. Like, oh yeah, busy, but good. And then I started thinking, what if, why, why do people say that? That sounds miserable. Why are we all busy? And then if somebody says, oh, things are slow, it's really good. Then you think they're lazy. <laughs> like, why aren't you doing stuff? Like, it's, it's phenomenal the, how our society has told us you have to work and that's all you have. Work is the end of your life. And God is the absolute opposite. Work is a product of our sin, and it's not intended for you. I'm actually going to preach. This is, a, this is just hope for you, that you don't have to work. You're actually made to take naps all day. Come on. That doesn't get an amen. I don't know what does. You are literally made to nap, spend, like play board games, do anything but work, okay? If you don't like exercise, don't do it. That's what, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the thing that God has made you for. But I say all that, and then we're like, well, but there's reality. Like, this is, that's not really, that's not how the workforce is. Those aren't the expectations that are on me. So we're going to start in Genesis 1. I told you we're going to read a lot of scripture, and like, we got a lot of time still, so let's go. Genesis 1, we're going to go through probably like three or four big chunks of Scripture. We're going to read all of Genesis 1. <clears throat> um, Kara preached a message about three weeks ago. It was phenomenal. She um, pretty much preached the message that I was going to preach today. Um, so, but, but it allows me to go a lot 
um, even deeper than she got to go, which is really exciting to me. So she started in Genesis 2, 4, um, and, and essentially what she said was that God had created the Garden of Eden as a space for us to enter into his presence. And so that space was already created for us. So what I'm going to tell you today is that all of creation was filled with God's rest, and, you're in, and the entire creation, the purpose of it is rest. And we're going to see how, so what I want to do is I want to track a flow for you just to paint a picture of we're going to start in creation, we're going to go through what, it happened, what happened when we sinned with our work, and then we're going to go, we're going to look at Israel for a second, why, like why did God institute a Sabbath? And then we're going to go to Jesus and realize what it actually means for us now and how we're going to live today. Okay? So Genesis 1, it'll be behind me, and um, I'll read here, though. So, okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. So before, I'm going to pause a bunch, just go with it. So uh, the earth is formless and void. Um, this was common among, among um, ancient Near Eastern um, like culture. Like the, and actually another word here would be chaotic. It was, it, things were in chaos, and God's going to bring order to the chaos because there's nothing, there's nothing happening, okay? And so essentially what we have, God, the entire scripture starts with a space, and God is going to create, so the space is there, and God is going to fill that space. And so as you read, we have space, and God's filling space. We have space, God's filling space, okay? Then, verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And so God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit after the kind, with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. So the way this is going to... God has um, a sequence to the way he does the creation account. So the way that it works is God creates space in days one, two, three, and then he fills that space with the appropriate things on days four, five, and six. So on day one, he's going to fill, on day four, he's going to fill what he made on day one, and then two and five and three and six. Does that make sense? And so you'll, you'll notice that as we keep going. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let, there be for, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, and it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, and he made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. 
Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind, and God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening, there was morning, a fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after theirs and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay, so, so far we have God created the light, then he filled it with space. He filled that space with something. The sun, the moon, stars, right? Then he separates the waters. So there's water, then there's water, which is sky. And so then God fills it with birds and with seas on the, on the fifth day. Then on the sixth day, he's going to fill the land that he created on the third day with living creatures. And you'll notice one of the biggest things, whereas we keep going, most people, when they read the creation account, say the big climax is right here when God says, creates man, he says it's very good. First off, God, God created the beasts of the earth and us on the same day. <laughs> so it's, we're awesome and everything, but what God, but this is not the climax of creation. We are, I really think that we are not even necessarily the climax fully of creation, okay? Keep going. I'm going to tell you why, okay? Don't stone me. <laughs> Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over Every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, this is important, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the surface of the earth. Every tree which has, its, uh, which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for you. And it was so. God saw all that he made and behold it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So he says good about everything that he creates. He creates man, he says it's very good. There's something specific. He, this is the only, man is the only one that's actually made in the image of God. Okay. And so, what, and so God's going to say, I'm going to show you what it means to be made in my image. You want to know how to follow me, how to make, how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your example so you know. Verse 2, or chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from his work which God had created and made. So what God does is he, he creates. There's formlessness. There's, there's a void in the earth and he fills that space for three days. And then he says, okay, I'm going to fill that space in three more days. And then on the seventh day, the climax of all of creation, he fills all that he made with rest. 
He says, nothing, this is the thing that I, I want you to follow me and do. I want you to just be. And so what's the command for Adam and Eve? Well, it's, there's, there's two, pretty much two things. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That's the first thing. So he's pretty much saying, um, I won't use the word because Katie won't let me. But he had, they, had, they were just having relations. You know what I'm saying? It's not Family Sunday, so we can talk about this. Literally, God's saying, I want you to, I'm putting you here. I want you to rest, have relations with each other, and then just says, subdue the earth. So, and just rule over it. And so, and, he, and then he says, I'm going to give you your food. So the awesome thing about, about, about the Garden of Eden is not that there's like bowling-sized balls of like grapes and golden rivers. There's, it's not, that's not what's amazing about it. What's amazing is that Adam and Eve don't have to do anything. Adam and Eve just have to be there and enjoy it. And they did, God's walking in the cool of the day, it says, and they just get to enjoy what God has made and enjoy each other. I don't know about you, it sounds awesome. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something I would be interested. I mean, just literally living in this, I mean, you can sleep on the ground in the garden and tell the ants, hey, go over there. Like, there's not like a fear that like something's going to crawl on me, you know? This is an amazing, this is an amazing time. And we don't know how long they get to live in this, this lifestyle um, before the serpent tempts them. But the things that, that when, and we, most of us know the story that um, the serpent tempts them and they give in and they take of the one thing that God said don't do. And so the curse that God puts on man, um, on, on Adam and Eve, it actually makes it difficult for them to do the one thing that he promised, or that he told them to do. So be fruitful. He, he tells Eve, you're going to have pain in childbirth. So that becomes, that becomes difficult. And then he says to Adam... You will work and toil on the earth, and you will have to work it in order for it to produce for you. And so they lost the two best things that they had on the earth, being together and multiplying and filling the earth with the image of God and enjoying the earth and what it had to offer them. And it makes it difficult to do those two things. Um, so that's what God does. So, he's, so everybody with me still? He's, this is, this is, this is like, I feel like maybe this is more like a seminary class, but this is, this is just like, this is more than just milk, you know, like we want to really eat of God's goodness, okay? So he sets the example for Adam and Eve on what, on how life is supposed to orchestrate, and it's supposed to orchestrate by just enjoying him and being present. So now they're stuck in a place where they're working, so they don't, if, they, if they don't till the, the ground and plant seed, they don't get food. So now everything that they do or, orients around, I've got to work this land. And that's where we are today. We're just constantly, there's this constant quest to work in order to find our satisfaction. And, we, and the, the desire, he says that the desire of the woman would be for her husband. So great. So now you want to have relations you want to have relations a lot, and it's going to hurt. Dang it. You're like, gosh, why? It's becoming so difficult. 
I mean, everything that God wants us to walk into is now difficult to do. And so this is why it's, Jesus is so important to us. Because God created, he's, what does it mean to be created in God's image? It means to be a representation of God on the earth. That's why he created us. So that we could do what he does. We could just be. That's why he created us. And so, but that's not reality for us. That's not reality. So we're going to travel now to Exodus chapter 16. So you guys can turn there. Um, this is the first time in the whole Bible where God is going to institute a Sabbath rest for Israel. Um, so to set a context for you, this is really important. So Israel, um, all of creation just kind of goes downhill, okay? There's a lot of stuff that happens thousands of years. Um, but specifically, they're in a place where they go to Egypt and they're forced to work seven days. So they're, they're constantly working. And then when, when Moses comes, it just gets worse for the most part, at the beginning at least. He either have to work even more because he makes it more difficult for them. And so they're coming from a society where they're just constantly toiling, okay? And, but God's called them, I want you to fill the earth with representations of me. And so, and a point to be made here too would be, it doesn't matter who you are, you're created in the image of God. And so, just because you don't rightly represent him on the earth, it doesn't mean you're not created in his image. That's a big deal. Like if we talk about someone who's in ISIS, they're created in the image of God. And so God's constantly, the entire story of creation and the world is to get those people to image him correctly and to fill the earth. There, I mean, it's awesome that there are people that the image of God has already filled the earth. That was God's command, fill the earth. The earth is full right now. There's one thing that's left, and it's that people would be redeemed so that they would image him correctly, right? So the earth has been filled, and Israel is being called so that that can happen, okay? They're not being called because they're more special than all the other people. They're being called because God's trying to redeem all of humanity with images of who he is, okay? So that needs to be said. So, Israel, so Israel's in Egypt, and they are working and working and working, and that's all that they know. And God, when you read this story and, and all these plagues are happening to Egypt, it can be like, wow, God is mean. Why is he doing that? those things? God is redeeming a people, and he's actually stretching out his hand to show, look, I don't care that all you do is work. I don't care that all you do is sin. I will redeem you anyways. They don't deserve anything they get. That's the point of the story. And God extends grace to them. So the whole, the whole message of Exodus and the law in general, in the Old Testament, is God is going to extend grace to people who don't deserve it. That's beautiful, and that gives me hope, because I don't deserve it. But God's going to give me grace anyways. So Exodus chapter 16, let's read this. First, first time Sabbath is mentioned. He pulls them out of Egypt, and then all God does is he's going to say, he's going to, he's going to do the thing that they had in the garden. When they, had, when they had trees that were just bearing fruit, God says, how about this? You don't deserve anything, but I will rain food from heaven. I will make water come from a rock, and you can fill the earth, and I will give you the stuff even though you don't deserve it. So he's going to institute things that were actually present in the Garden of Eden. Just eat and enjoy. And they, they don't respond well, though. 
because our hearts are soiled. So Exodus 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread. So there's, there's food, there's literally manna coming down out of heaven out of God's grace. Two omers for each day. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, boil what you will boil, and all that is left over, put it aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered, and it did not become foul, sorry, nor, nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So he's going to rain food for six days, and he's going to say, on the seventh day, you're not even, he wants them, he wants to release them from even the work of just going out in the field and getting what food that's coming from heaven. He's saying, I don't even want you to do that. That's work. I'm going to give you enough on the sixth day so that you can just enjoy and rest for an entire day. That's how good God is. Verse 27, it came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So what God does is he, he gives them what they didn't deserve, and then man still doesn't trust him. And they say, oh, well, we're still going to go out on the seventh day to try to gather food. God's saying, I'm giving you enough. Just trust me. I'm ge- this is, this, so this, how does that relate? How, what does that mean to me? What it means is if you would take a day out of your week and stop working, God would do more on that day than you could do on your own. And you're actually called to, you're actually not even called, this is an institution for one day that God gives them. You're actually called for seven days of rest. And we long for it. I don't know about you, I long to nap all day. I want it so bad, but I'm forced to toil on the ground. Okay? That's just the, that's our lives, toil. But God, it, God gives grace. He gives hope to people who would receive it. And he will provide what you need on the day that you rest. That's good news, right? Um, so... I'm going to, I just can't go through all the scriptures. I'm going to go to Hebrews 4 now. He's going to turn with me there. We're going Bible heavy, guys. Bible thumping today. So, um, in, in Hebrews 4, the writer's going to, he's going to reference a verse out of Psalm 95. Um, where David um, says essentially that the rest that, that the rest that God gave to um, Israel in those forty days um, was just a precursor to something more, and so that and so when they were going into the promised land, they thought they were going into into rest, and they were, but there was actually more rest beyond that that they couldn't see, and so the the Sabbath that we find in, in in Exodus is just really just a, a little glimpse into what God wants. It's not everything because 
God's, because man's image or God's image through man is still soiled. So we need full restoration still. So it can only happen through Jesus. So this is what it says, and he'll reference it. You'll catch it in, in Hebrews 4. Starting in verse 1. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, and notice how many times he'll say rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word that they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we, ha- for we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time just has been said before, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had, this is, this is the, the crux of it here, if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. And this is a verse that many of you know. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So what he's saying is the, there, there was a Sabbath for Israel that I instituted for a day, but that's not it. There's actually a rest that I intended from the, all of creation where you were in the garden and you rested all the time. I'm going to give you that rest still. Even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to give you that seven-day rest still. And, why, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've, read, I've heard that Hebrews 4 scripture a lot, and it's totally taken out of context a lot of times. What God is saying is, why does he say that the word of God is living and active? It's because when you rest, God's living and active. He is living and able to do what you can't do. He will work even when you can't work. And this is, this is the message here today. And if you hear anything, I want you to hear this. We're, on the, we're, we're, we're the week after Easter. You know, what, when, when did Jesus die? What day of the week? Friday. Good Friday, right? Um, So Jesus died on a Friday. So for Jewish culture, Sabbath would have started on Friday evening and gone through Saturday evening. So what that means is that Jesus died on a Friday, and then it says in Matthew 28, 1, when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, that it it was the day after the Sabbath. So we know that it was Sunday. So what that means is that Jesus was was in a grave, dead. On, on the end of Friday, all of Saturday, and he rose on Sunday. So what that means is that while all of Israel was resting and doing absolutely nothing, God was doing the greatest work ever. When you don't work, God works. You have hope, and God wants to restore your life to where you would have rest at all times. 
So we have to find ways. We have to put aside, turn the notifications off, set time aside to say, God, I, it's not about keeping something that's like legalistic. It's not just saying like, okay, I'm going to keep this day where God, I'm, where I'm just going to have fun and do what I want to do. It's not about that. It's about taking a day where you say, God, I can't do it all. So I'm just going to trust that you're going to do something on this day. And he will. So it's a matter of trust, not of anything else. It's a matter of trust. So this is what I would say is that when, when Jesus does this great work and, and, res, and resurrects from the grave, he restores that image that was lost so long ago. And now the earth, by believing in an instance, in one moment, by believing, you are restored in the way that God intended you to be. And so the image of God, the thing that God created and intended for us, is now possible. Just through believing. It's beautiful. Um, all right. So this is what I would say. We live, I'm, I'm, I'm done for the most part. It's the third sermon. It starts now. We, so this, that's the call, right? So the call is you were made for seven of seven day rest all the time. And now you're faced with reality. So I, I, I'm gonna, I want to help for a second, just balance. What does that mean? What does it mean? Okay, great. I'm called to something amazing, but I'm also still required to work 60 hours this week and get paid for 40. Thank you. So if the reality says one thing, we're called to something else, I think that we have to set some, some real serious boundaries in our lives in order to taste and see that God's good right now and hope of the future when Jesus would come back and restore the earth to what he called it to be. And so I'm going to just put a challenge out there, a one-day challenge that you would take this week, and just imagine the day where you don't do anything. Imagine the day where, where if you hate exercising, you don't exercise. If you hate yard work, you don't do yard work. If you hate doing a budget, for your home, don't do a budget. If you hate sending emails for work, don't. Just don't, don't do it. I mean, you wake, wake up in the morning, spend time with your family, play boggle. I mean, eat lunch, take an afternoon nap. You know, go to, go to dinner and, I don't know, make love. Have fun. <laughs> God made you for that. <laughs> Literally, that's what God wants. Fill the earth and enjoy me and fill the earth with me and delight in me. You were made for that. So the boundaries, I would say, I would say there's a lot of things we need to exclude and there's some things that we need to include. So the things that I would say exclude, work of any kind. If it feels like work, don't do it for a whole day. Just try it. Even if it's just half a day, just try it. Don't do work. Don't email. Don't and I would actually try to remove social media out of your life because we're trained in our society to just get stimulated constantly. And you can fill the space that you've opened up with other stuff. And, God has, and, and then God actually isn't able to do anything because you're still filling it. So remove social media. I would say remove TV. Try it, or at least less you know, instead of, I mean, if it's like a family movie, it's one thing, you know, like you're invaluing each other. But if you're just like, I mean, TV a lot of times is just a filler for us. So if you're just trying to fill space, don't do it. 
Let the space be there. Sit in the space. And then, and then just appreciate. What if you just sat for an hour? Nothing. And when you have an idea like, oh, I need to do that thing, just say, okay, God, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let you do it. Well, no, I, but I'm the one that has to do it. Well, no, you don't. You're not made for that. You're made to rest. That's your life. Like, face the facts, guys. You were made to stop doing stuff. So just rest and enjoy. So these are the things that I'm going to just listen to things. I'll close your eyes, and if this, any of this just resonates with you, there's things that are going to come to you as well that I would, I would ask that you would, um, on your Sabbath, that you, would, that you would try out some of these things. Try to spend time with your family. Take a nap. Read a good book. Invite some friends over. Enjoy spending time with them. Knit. Play a sport. Take a walk or a hike or a bike ride. Listen to some favorite music. Make love to your wife or your husband. Call a family member that you never talked to. Eat your favorite food. Don't worry about what it's going to do to your body. Play a game with your family or alone. Do what gives you energy. Worship. Meditate. Pray. Enjoy God's presence for a day. And trust that if I just stop, I'm actually going to allow him to work. Because on the seventh day, God rested. And on Friday evening and all day Saturday, he accomplished the greatest work ever. He overcame death and gave us hope and restored his image through us and in us. And God, I just delight in you. And so I just want to take a moment. Let's just keep our eyes closed. God, we enjoy you. We delight in you. The worship team wants to go ahead and come up. But just take a moment, God. Delight in your presence. God, I, I personally, I feel like the Israelites. God, I, I feel like work can just dominate. But the rhythm, God, that you've set for me and for this church is to just slow down and to be and not do. So, God, I ask for a restoration of hope for this entire church. God, I ask that we would have that next Sunday that we would walk in here and everyone would, when we say, how are you? They would say, rested. I feel good. I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm beat up. I don't feel like I'm weary. I don't feel like I'm heavy laden. The call to us is come to me and I will give you rest. It is here for you. There's already the space created. I made all of this for you. Enjoy it. Be with me. Know that I am your God. And when you see others that prosper in their way, when you see others, houses, cars, it all comes together for all these people, that you would know that God is working on your behalf behind the scenes, that you just don't see it. So be present in the moment and love and enjoy the goodness that is being a child of God. Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.